So as I was coming on the stage, I was like, man, I'm going to understand what it's like to be a rock star. I'm coming out on the limelight stage with a room full of people, and that wasn't exactly what I expected. So it was like, rock stars don't get prayed for and have a baby, like, crawling on them as, as they're coming out, is at least not that I know. But I do kind of feel like a rock star, a rock star with like 100 fans that's just now starting out and starting to get popular, I guess. So, yeah. So, anyway, last week, well, first of all, I want to do this. I want to publicly thank you all, the church, for welcoming Lauren and I in. It has been, we've been coming here for about two years and it has seriously been our pleasure to be a part of this church. You've welcomed us. You've made us feel like family. You have, we just, we love this church. And we're so happy to be a part of it. And that's because of each one of you. And I just want to say thank you for that, seriously. <clears throat> so last week, Chris launched a series called Tremble. And I'm doing part two. And last week, he talked about how... Um, Demons believe in Jesus, but they tremble at the sound of his name. And we as Christians are called to stop living in fear and to really live out our faith, to do something about our faith. And Chris, last week you killed it. You did very, very well. And even afterwards, I leaned over to Lauren and I'm like, oh good, I have to follow that on my very first time preaching. So Chris, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But like Heather said, I'm, I'm pretty used to preaching, although usually I preach to high school kids. Um, <laughs> maybe, we'll see after today. So uh, I, normally I preach to high school kids, and that's why I'm wearing a backwards hat and skinny jeans, and I try, <laughs> try to be cool. Um, but high school kids, and a lot of times those high school kids are lost high school kids, kids who probably have never stepped foot in a church before. And so if I today am like oversimplifying things, that's why. Um, I also speak to middle school kids. And so if I yell at you to stop farting, that's why. Because that's something I, I do often or tell them to, you know, stop wiping boogers on each other and things like that. Um, but I'm excited to preach here today. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, <clears throat> it is an honor to be up here. It's an honor to um, just get to follow you. And I pray today that you would speak through me, that I would not get in the way of anything that you would have to say. Um, I know that you're here. I know that you're with us this morning. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and fill us with your spirit so that we would go out and we would change the world around us because of your gospel and your love for, for us. Uh, thank you for your word. We know that it is alive and active. Um, thank you for just changing everything in my life and changing everything in this world when you died on the cross for us. We're grateful for that. Amen. So Tremble, like I said, is our series. And when I hear the word tremble, I get these flashbacks to high school because my hands are shaky. Like, and it's not because I'm cold. It's not because I'm nervous. But I just have shaky hands. And my, when I was in high school, I would be going up to the uh, Coke machine or something like that, filling up a Coke. And the person behind me would ask me, like, are you cold? 
are you nervous? Like, what's going on? Why are your hands shaking? And I, I don't exactly know why that is. They're not, like, horribly shaky, but they are, they're shaky enough where it's noticeable. And um, I, I never, you know, went to the doctor. My mom has shaky hands. My brother has shaky hands. And I think it's something called genetic tremors that is just, I mean, I've never got it diagnosed or anything like that, but really it's just kind of shaky hands. And it doesn't cause a lot of problems, but it's, it's this slight tremble that I have kind of all the time. Um, and it, it really doesn't cause too many problems in, in my life. It does if I'm, you know, maybe tying my shoe or buttoning a button or doing something with like very fine motor skills. Uh, or like threading a needle, something like that. Not that I've ever threaded a needle in my life. <laughs> Don't do a whole lot of knitting or crocheting or whatever you thread a needle for. Um, but I just have these shaky hands. And like I said, it doesn't really affect me. Probably the, the time that I notice it the most is when I order like a, a chai tea or a coffee or something at 3030 or Zion. And they, they fill it to the brim and then I have to make the trip from the counter back to my seat, like tiptoeing as lightly as possible so I don't spill it on myself and get third-degree burns all over my body. Thank God for saucers or else I would have third-degree burns all over my body. <laughs> saucers are a great invention. I always thought they were stupid until I started ordering hot drinks. But... That is not, that kind of tremble, the shakiness in my hands is not the kind of tremble we're talking about. Like I said, we're talking about stopping, as a Christian, we need to quit living in fear and to truly live out our faith in a way that makes darkness tremble. And so today, I want to share with you one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Ephesians 5.8. And Ephesians 5.8 says this. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And I love this verse for many reasons, but one of the main reasons I love it is because it addresses all three aspects of time, all three tenses. So past tense, present tense, and future tense. For you were once darkness, past, but now are light in the Lord, present, Live as children of light. So first of all, I want to break down that first part. For you were once darkness. You are no longer darkness. That is past tense. If you've said yes to following Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are no longer darkness. And I think it's so easy for me, it's so easy for us to say, no, no, I'm still darkness. You don't know me. There's still sin in my life. I'm still selfish. I still have a temper. I'm still addicted. I still wake up in the morning at 7 o'clock, and by 7.05 some days, I've turned my back on Jesus. I've turned my back on God, a God that I have committed to following. And you just don't know me. You don't know the darkness in my life. And I stand before you a, a sinner, uh, humbly admitting that there is darkness in my life, and I am well aware of that darkness. And uh, even Paul, who is this biblical hero and the man responsible for writing much of the New Testament, he was aware he was a sinner. But the cool thing is, is that the older and more mature that Paul got, 
the more mature in Christ he gets, the worse he sees his own sinful condition. Like at the start of Corinthians, he says, for I am the least of the apostles and don't even, be, uh, don't even deserve to be called an apostle. And then uh, about 10 years later, in 1 Tim- Timothy, he says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. So he goes from, I am the least of the apostles, I'm the most sinful of all the apostles, to I'm the chief among sinners. I'm the worst out of everyone here. I'm the worst out of the world. Out of all of the sinners, I'm the worst. And so Paul knows there's darkness, and we know there's darkness in our life. We know that sin exists. But the cool thing is, is this. The presence of sin still exists, but the power of sin is gone. We still see sin daily. All I have to do is look in the mirror to be reminded that sin exists, and sin is everywhere. It's in my interactions with my wife. It's in my interactions with my 10-month-old. It's in my interactions with myself. It's in my interactions with my worst enemy. Even within myself, the sin is there, and there's no denying that. The presence of sin exists, but the power of sin is completely gone. The power of sin separates us from God. It's what keeps us from living the life that we were meant to live. It, it keeps us from God. There's this big gap in between us and God because of the power of sin. And unfortunately, that power enslaves us and it traps us in. But the cool thing is, is that power was defeated the second Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished. And so the darkness remains sometimes. The sin, the existence of sin is still here. But the power of sin was gone the second Jesus died on the cross. And then I want to look at what that verse says next, what Ephesians 5.8 says next. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. This addresses the presence. This addresses right now. For you were once darkness, that was then, but now are light in the Lord. This is now. That was then, this is now. You are no longer darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. We need to live in the reality of that promise from God. You are now light in the Lord. On August 21st, 2017, we experienced a once-in-a-lifetime event, the Great American Eclipse. And people, like, for, for weeks leading up to it, or, or apparently like 10 years or more, People knew it was coming. I heard about it like a week ahead of time, and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I'll probably go outside and stare into the sun or something like that. But apparently you can't do that. You have to buy uh, NASA-approved glasses. But other people, if you were in the line of totality, so it went from the Pacific Northwest, and then the line of totality was all the way across the country, basically. If you were in that line, you were going to experience something cool. That was all I knew. And I knew that we were going to, um, not necessarily be right in that line, but I knew I was going to go outside and, and check it out. Um, but other people, they overpaid for hotels. They bought T-shirts. They sat in traffic for hours and hours and hours to get in and out of places. Uh, there were four-hour news specials that came on that I watched on TV during, during the workday. If you were in America, you pretty much watched the eclipse or at least knew it was coming. And so... And the funny thing is, 
I was even on this news conference, and so I, I had it on, and it started in the Pacific Northwest, and so that was earlier, and then it, it came across. And so th the news conference kind of showed it and was interviewing it, and I was able to watch it on TV, like, okay, totality here, two and a half minutes of darkness, two and a half minutes of darkness, two and a half minutes of darkness in, in you know, Wyoming and Nebraska and uh, Carbondale and all these different places. And the funny thing is, is there, people cared so deeply about this. They interviewed these two girls who were college girls, and they said they had been waiting eight years for this. And they drove basically across the country to Nebraska, which I have no idea why you would ever do that. Not much is worth driving that far to Nebraska. Um, but totality was happening. And the funny thing is, is like they were, uh, totality happened. The darkness came. And the interviewer on the TV was like interviewing them during the two and a half minutes of what they just waited eight and a half years for. And so I'm like, please leave these poor girls alone. They're trying to experience the once in a lifetime event, but they're missing it. But this was a huge, huge deal. And so around here, I, I forget exactly, it was like 120 or something is when uh, the darkness was supposed to come. And my brother lives down in or he lives in Champaign, but my mom lives in Carbondale. And so he went down and took his kid down to see totality and to see this darkness. And he said it was awesome. I mean, it, it looked really cool from what I saw. But what happened is for a minute or two, the moon budged in line, cut in front of the sun, and darkness won out. Crickets started chirping, streetlights turned on, owls started hooting. Um, it, people put on their glasses and, and looked at the sun, and you were able to. And then if you were in totality, you could take off your glasses and look at the sun for about 2 minutes and 15 seconds. And for those 2 minutes and 15 seconds, darkness overcame the light. But then, after about 2 minutes, the smallest glimmer of sun happens, and all of a sudden, light wins back. Darkness is done, totality is over, and light wins out. And the crickets go away, and they stop chirping, and the street lights come back on, and the owls stop hooting, and people put their glasses back on, their NASA-approved glasses, um, all because the glory of God is too much for us to look at. And it may have seen for two minutes that darkness won. But the cool thing is, is that light never went away. The sun never stopped shining. In fact, the sun was shining as bright as it always was, and it was shining on the thing that caused the darkness. It was shining on the moon. And the thing is, light always wins. Chris said last week, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. The light is always winning. For you are once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. You are no longer darkness. You are light. The second you said yes to Jesus, the second you decided to follow Jesus, you are light in the Lord. John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's not going to. <clears throat> I was a gross kid when I was a kid. I was just, <laughs> I did... Like, I would play in the mud, and I would climb trees and do all the stuff that kids did. 
Um, but I also had some nasty habits like, um, well, one time I peed in a Ziploc bag and threw it at a neighbor. Uh, my mom doesn't know that, so please don't tell her that. Um, but one of the grosser things I did is I would take a paper plate for lunch, have a paper plate, I would scoop out some mayonnaise, plop it on the paper plate, and then I would roll up Oscar Mayer bologna and dip it in the mayonnaise and just eat it. And it was disgusting. And you would think I would not like mayonnaise anymore, but I still like mayonnaise. But the funny thing about mayonnaise is it is essentially two things that don't mix. It's oil and water. And that's it. They don't mix. There's no business for oil and water being together and creating mayonnaise. Um, but the thing is, is you add egg to mayonnaise, you add egg to the oil and water, and it acts as an emulsifier. And suddenly the oil and the water mix, and then it mixes with the egg, and it turns into mayonnaise. It turns into something that's edible and productive and delicious to some people. Um, and darkness and light don't necessarily mix. Jesus is constantly reaching out to the darkness and saying, come with me. He's constantly knocking at the door of darkness and wanting in. Yet darkness seems to, to push him away sometimes. And they just are two things that by nature don't mix, light and darkness. And we as Christians need to act as the emulsifier. We need to step in, reach over here and take the light, the light that's within us, and we need to step over here and take the darkness, the darkness that we see in society and elsewhere, and we need to act as the emulsifier and bring those two together and be the light of the world. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. God didn't just save us from something. He didn't just save us from our sin. He saved us to something and for something. He didn't just save you from your sin. He gave you a purpose for living. He gave you hope. He gave you freedom. He gave you joy. He made you a light. And he called you out of darkness, yes, but equally as important, if not more important, is then he said, you are the light of the world. And then we go to the next part of Ephesians 5.8, and it says, live as children of light. Matthew 5.16 says, in the same way, let your, shi- let your light shine before others. See, here's the thing. We can know that we are no longer darkness. We can know the first part of Ephesians 5.8. We can know that sin no longer holds power over us, that it was defeated on the cross. We can know that we are light in the Lord. We can know the second part of Ephesians 5.8. For you were once darkness, we know that, but now are light in the Lord. We know that. We can know both those things. But if we don't do this third part, if we don't live as children of light, then we're not fulfilling our purpose and we're not fulfilling our call that God has for us in this world, in this life, why he created us. And we may be, for, we may be forgiven and we may be safe, but no one else is affected by it and the world around us remains in darkness. So I told you about, earlier, I told you about my, um, my hands, my shaky, trembly hands. I want to revisit that because my tremble in my hands that I was telling you about earlier gets worse when I'm nervous. And so when I was in high school, my hands 
I was telling you about got so much worse when I had to speak in public. I hated, hated, hated speaking it in public. I would be trembling with fear, and that fear added to my shaking hands would literally have me standing in front of people shaking totally uncontrollably. I remember uh, a time in, in college in my freshman year marketing communications class, which in mark I don't know why they call it marketing communications. It's speech class. Let's just call it what it is. And they do that all the time. It's like anthropology people class. Like they come up with these fancy names. There's no, no need for that. But if you would have told me then that 10 years or whatever later, I would willingly be standing in front of a group of people speaking, I would have told you that you are crazy. <clears throat> so I was in speech class. I was standing in front of 25 people, and I was horrified, and I was shaking, and I was trembling in fear, and I was so, so scared to share this persuasive speech on, uh, it was on tobacco advertising's deceptive practices. Uh, and that was something that I was very passionate about, something that I, for some reason, I, I just hated smoking back then. I hated the idea of people ruining their lungs with tobacco. And so I, I was passionate about, you know, these deceptive advertising practices that tobacco companies were doing. And I was scared to, to do this persuasive speech. And I was standing in front of 25 people in this marketing class. And I was so scared, so nervous, and so shaky that my mind went blank. And I remember standing there having nothing to say except realizing that my legs were shaky, my hands were shaky, and this tremble in my body had gotten to the point where it affected everything. I was scared to death. And I want you to fast forward to now, and I'm not the one trembling anymore. Ten years later, I'm not trembling. I won't miss an opportunity to share about Jesus. I won't miss an opportunity to talk about my faith. I won't miss an opportunity to be a light in the darkness, even if that means getting up here in front of a group of people and doing something that ten years ago... I said, I will do whatever it takes not to put myself in that position again. And here I am. I spent years allowing Satan to convince me that I didn't have what it took, or that I should be the one trembling, or that I should be the one living in fear. And now he is the one that trembles. He trembles when I get on stage to talk to you. He trembles when I'm talking to a group of high school kids or a group of middle school kids. He trembles when I pray with my family. He trembles when I serve the church. He trembles when I open my Bible in the morning or at night. He trembles when I speak the name of Jesus. He shakes. When my feet hit the floor in the morning, Satan says, oh no, he's up. And that can be you too. You don't have to be in full-time ministry for Satan to tremble. I have not always been in full-time ministry. In fact, if you would have told me I would be in full-time ministry, I would have said, you're crazy. But I used to work for Bosch Tools. And even then, I said, I'm going to be a light to Bosch. I'm going to be a light to everyone around me. And I did everything I could 
to be that light. And I know countless people in this room that are such a light to this world. And they're not trembling anymore. They're not scared. They're not living in fear. And the truth is that each one of you who have committed your life to Christ, who have said yes to Jesus, should be in full-time ministry. Not necessarily as a vocation, but as a lifestyle. God calls each one of us to be light. For you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Past, present, future. And what is in the past is gone. It's done. For you were once darkness. You're not darkness anymore. You are now light in the Lord. Live as children of light. It's time we start taking that seriously. So about eight years ago, I was at a church, and I remember there was a commissioning service for a team that was going on a missions trip to, to Guatemala. And they were going to Guatemala to, to serve, or it was like partially medical mission trip, but also some other things, and they were going to serve in Guatemala. And they were going down to Central America, and the church was um, going to send them down there. And so the church that day that I went, and I was just visiting this church. I'd never, never been there before and never gone since. But the church brought them on stage, this team of probably 12 or 15 people, and prayed for them and asked them a few questions and then commissioned them to do God's work in Guatemala. And all I could think during that church service is, why just them? Why only those 12? So I want to commission you right now to do the Lord's work and to be a light to those around you and to love your neighbors, to love your family, to love your friends, and to love your enemies in a dangerous, costly, sacrificial way that could only come from the Spirit of God living inside of you. Are you an accountant? I want to commission you to be a light to the people who you are doing their taxes. If you're a garbage man, I commission you to be a light to those whose garbage you pick up. And if you're a mom, I commission you to be a light to your kids and to your husband. And if you're a husband, I commission you to be a light to your kids and your wife. If you're a barista, you can be a light to the people you're giving coffee to. If you're a student, you can be a light to your teacher or your peers. If you're a teacher, you can be a light to your students. You are commissioned and even called by God to be a light and to stop living in fear and to live as a child of light. So I want all of you to please, if you would, stand on your feet. I want to commission you right now. God, before me stands a group of people who have the power to change the world. <clears throat> you changed the world with a group of 12 disciples, and I can only imagine what this church can do when they walk out today, if they truly live as children of light. And so I commission them, I commission you all, in the name of Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit and to go into the darkness and live as children of light. I pray that you would not fight from 
fight for victory, but fight from victory. I pray that you would lean 100% on the strength of Jesus to do that. Because that's the only way it's going to happen. I pray that you would be so filled up with the Spirit that you couldn't help but affect the people around you. And I pray that you would truly go and live as children of light. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.